Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Just stone cold set so. If you're gonna blitz... Come strong, but don't come at all. We're going to come strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com, but man, we've had better weeks to do a show. (laughs) Texas loses the regular season finale to Texas Tech 27-23. I don't know how, but we're going to talk about how Texas got in this position. From Have we had a week where we've done two shows that have been just the complete opposite of each other this close <laughs> together? Like last week, we were all optimistic and feeling mm-hmm. good after West Virginia, and then that turd sandwich got plopped on the plate the day and night after Thanksgiving. Yeah, right? Yeah. Exactly. Right. Uh, it, it's a great way of putting it. I like that phrasing there. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of how the beginning of the season well, began can, yeah, is how so, the end ended. You know, it's sort of, yeah. you, you had it out of nowhere, it was crap, and then it got pretty good, but sort of fooled you, and then you thought you were still fooled, but then it went to back to crap. So it right. bookended the season very well. It ended and began the same way. That's not well. <laughs> That's not well. That's no, not no. a good thing. But for bookending, You're supposed to have definition. gotten better throughout the season, right. and essentially Essentially, that yes. and that I'm glad Matt brought it up the way he did because I talked about it too on my show. The season began and ended almost in the same way. The only difference really was the, t- the quarterbacks were different who started those games for Texas, and I will say that um, uh, you know what, I, you know what, other and, and then maybe the, uh, the 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 culture and the style of play, I guess, yeah, because of the Big Twelve. But other than that, the optimism was the same. It was Texas fans being – they were very optimistic at the beginning of the season. They were very optimistic after that West Virginia game about closing out the season, potentially, you know, uh, with seven wins instead of six wins. Uh, also, you look at, you know, the – the uh, you know, the, the way Texas was uh, – I was like unable to run the football versus Maryland. Also, unable to run the football versus Texas Tech. And they were outcoached in the Maryland game. Also outcoached in the Texas Tech game. And Texas Tech was more physical than Texas at times, which was mind-blowing, and also Maryland was also more physical than Texas at times. There are a lot of similarities to the randomly thrown in uh-huh. here. That's yeah. a great point. No, man. and the funny thing about it is it's sort of like you can have a good, great meal, but at the last bite you take is right? rotten food. Like you get left with this rotten taste that you only remember. You totally sort of throw out what was good because it doesn't have that momentum. So just this odd situation. You don't have many seasons happen that way. Luckily, you at least won that game in West Virginia somehow so then you can have this bowl season to maybe be able to resurrect it or get some work out of it but it's just a foul taste can really make something spoil let me preface this before people listen get upset and like oh no there's a difference we know we knew what the defense was an elite defense by the time we got to Tech Tech that may be the only difference we knew Mm -hmm. the defense was an elite defense right at that point and we knew the offense was inept but the West Virginia game gave us so much hope and optimism that in in Texas Tech, they do it all the time. Those 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 SOBs, they, man. <laughs> they they spoil it for us. I got oh, I was on the Forty Acres career, in two thousand two yes. when we had a chance potentially to play in a national title we game. Played in the Big Twelve Championship. We yes, exactly, and then contend for a national title. We lose at Texas Tech at night in Lubbock. Of course, two thousand eight. You know everybody knows that. I'm not going to get into it. And then now, a lot of people are optimistic about the way Tom Herman's first season was going to end, and Texas Tech spoils it and saves Cliff Kingsbury's job. Yeah, it was a worst case scenario imaginable for the regular season finale. And we'll talk more about it here in a little bit. But, you know, offensively, like you said, Rod, the optimism coming out of the West Virginia game was, okay, now we see this offense, even as limited as it is, has a blueprint. There is a path to victory and to success with the personnel you have if you just follow it. And I've never, just like the Maryland game, I've never seen an offensive staff so impatient and so quick to abandon the run abandon. and just completely Done. just start throwing stuff at the wall like this staff. Like I said, 
I'll, I'll I'll give Sean Watson credit here. You guys know I'm not a big Sean Watson fan. <laughs> hey, Sean, Sean Watson had a big credit. moment this past weekend. Sean Watson's offense beat Manny Diaz's defense. There you go. Oh, that's that was amazing. Oh, only Texas Ooh. fans appreciated that. Like, whoa, what the? Yeah, oh, that, right? Pitch, that's like pitch. somewhere in a UT hell. Like, that in, that's a nightmare of a Texas <laughs> fan. Hey, it's like uh, that keeps Texas out of the title that's a game. Great Pitt had sport, a freshman man. quarterback. Didn't look too bad in that Miami game either. Yeah. But. Sean Watson, pick. Sean Watson at least had, you know, opening scripts that were great. We we talk about his scripting, like he'd script those first like really twenty good. to twenty five plays. And man, you go back and look at that two thousand fourteen offense rod and some of them the, those first twenty plays that could lead into your second, maybe your third series. And it's like, man, they really game plan well, they scouted well, their self scouting was really good. Yeah. But then after those twenty plays, everything just went to hell. Yep. This staff just seems like you've mentioned it last week. It just seems like they don't game plan very well they don't scout very well they don't self-scout very well they just kind of go in hoping something's gonna work and when it doesn't they panic man that pucker factor in that press box is real is real well and that's the thing that you sort of talk about how you can really uh gauge a player like say if a player thrives in chaos or makes good decisions in tough situations then those are the indicators of success and this is like basically the total opposite that whenever a coach because a lot of coaches can game plan that can be admin stuff that can be numbers at a school like Texas or Alabama. That's why people say Saban is never out game playing because he always is prepared. Now, once you get into it, if you don't make those right decisions as a coach, once it comes down to those nine that are allowed to be up there making those decisions, that's whenever you can really learn more and more. And then once you get a full couple seasons of sample, it's easy to tell if you're going to be able to do it or not. And right now, it doesn't look like you've really been able to do anything this season to evolve your offense. It, 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 it was it's, reactive. Yeah, no, it's interesting because I remember, you know, you com- obviously Jeff complaining about that Tim Beck hire, talking about Tim Beck's tendencies throughout mm-hmm. his coaching career, and he has had a tendency to lean heavily, almost uh, too much, on the past. That's kind of his, uh, when the fit hits the shan, that's what he relies on. And almost like what he, his perfect vision, a utopian offense, would be that he would pass kind of almost more than he would run. Mm-hmm. And he has shown, and we talked about it in that Maryland game, and we've seen it throughout the season, um, maybe in like an o- Oklahoma state game and different games where it's been close for Texas that Texas will at times abandon a run. Now they don't really have a running game. So I'll, I'll give him a, a lot of leeway to say they don't have a running game. Right. Like there's no reason for them to have faith in a running game because they don't have one. But you understand that the, the stat that we talk about on this show, that if you run the ball 40 or more times for Texas, they are five and zero. Oh. Uh, and when they don't, they are now one and five after that game. There is something to it. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying, uh, it's an important stat, but if you think about getting to know your offense intimately and knowing what you do well and your weaknesses and strengths, this coaching staff has failed to evaluate properly. Miserably. Yes. Miserably. Their, their weaknesses and strengths on offense. That's You know what? That goes back to the personnel issues, right? Yeah. The, we said at times, not only does the offense lack creativity, and I'll give you a little I'll, listen, uh, creativity, everybody's creativity is different depending on, I don't know what the Tom Herman offense exactly is. None of us know. Alright, so I don't know if this is it run. or if this is remnants of it or if they're doing as much as they can. But I do know this. Your offense lacks common sense a ton. You were on the, what was it, the two-yard line? Mm-hmm. First and goal? And the lack of common sense in some of those, some of that play calling, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm dumbfounded. I'm it's, stupefied by it. it and, and we are in, that, that's week 12. It's the last game of the season. So you still don't know who your personnel is? That's the worst you part. You have no idea? Minutes. That's the worst part. You got to the end. And got to the end. The, if you sat this offensive staff down, sit them in a room right now, could they tell you what can we hang our hat on offensively from a scheme standpoint? Who Who's our number one running back? Who are our three best receivers? And who's the best quarterback we have? Can they answer <laughs> any four of those questions honestly I hope and, they can answer and the without question? I hope they can answer the quarterback uh, Yeah, Ellinger, I, I, don't, that. I don't know for sure because Tim yeah. Beck's propensity to throw the football. He might think he likes Shane Bouchel better. Yeah. No, With no, the QB I run, I, I would say it'd be Ellinger, but your point is well made. It's right. across the point. In, you know, uh, it, you know, it, running back and wide receiver for sure, it's just the indecisiveness. 
sadness, lack of identity, and then when you sort of had to, you know, put some pieces that weren't ready yet in it, makes it wor- look even maybe worse than it is. So, like, just I not can, good. I can understand. Oh, in I text, feel like I'm repeating myself. I, I can exactly. understand your first couple of weeks without Connor Williams, maybe trying to figure out what you do. Rod, you get to game 12 and you've got Connor Williams back and you still have no damn idea what you're doing on offense. And to your How po- does that happen? To your point last week when you said, and I think it was a, almost a revelation, that Connor Williams is the identity of the offense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's that damn good. And we'll talk about Connor Williams, who is obviously declared. And by the way, against Texas Tech, he had one of his worst games ever. He did have If you look game. at the pro football yeah. focus numbers. He got some. Second worst calls. offensive lineman yeah. on the roster. I think his mind was elsewhere. I think we know now. How quick that decision was made. It's his like, I am so a, close it, to it, being yeah, a millionaire. Yeah, I, mean, I am so close. Well, I, I, yeah. I mean, you can't even percent College baseball talks about that a lot of the time. That That's why a lot of their big-time players don't have great college or ben World Simmons Series. And, and, uh, they've already checked out. Been they drafted in the, They moved the yeah. draft. It used to be during like the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16, the Super yeah. Regionals. Yeah. They're already done. They're checked out. So I, I agree with you on that. I think that's what it is. But you know, when we go back to it, I didn't see him run behind Connor Williams a lot of the time. No. I was looking for them, too. I was like, man, Connor Williams, they're just going to run behind Connor the Williams. The one time I saw them do it, Danny Young ripped off 25 yards and they never went back to it. Exactly, I think they did it tech. maybe, I counted maybe four or five times that I said, oh, they, I think they intentionally ran behind Connor Williams. Matt, I don't know where you're going with that, but it's not like you're facing TCU. It's Tech. That's it's what Texas I'm saying. Tech. It's, tech. It's, it's, tech. it's like the last time we saw this, this was the Chris Warren break every record coming out party for him. When when he went for what two seventy yeah. against him, it was like for the past yeah. three decades you it's have ironic. broke records running the ball against the Tech. Ball. But that's sort of the one thing that we're talking about that the longer vision that when you see these things that oh well maybe we aren't good at running, no. but indicators of success of forty runs no. per game end up meaning they don't have the ball. We sustain stuff no. and then we do that against Tech all the let's time. Talk, it works. Let's talk about the Shakespearean irony of this whole whole freaking thing, okay? Because yeah. Matt just brought it up and made a good point. Okay, so we have dominated Texas Tech in the, and the antidote to dominating Tech, everybody knows it, is to just beat the scout, hell out of them. How would you scout Be this? more physical than Tech. Yes. All right? And then if you be more physical than Tech, you'll punk them. You'll debo them. Yes. All right? At one point, and then Tech will re- realize they're Texas Tech and they will count. Now, it doesn't always work out. If it's nighttime in Lubbock, <laughs> you know what I mean? It ain't, well, it ain't easy to do it. It's not easy. Football. Yeah, it's not easy to uh, impose your will on them as, you know I mean, as it is here in Austin. And, uh, you know, I mean, during the day or that kind of Where their coach right? is about to get fired. Exactly. Okay, so, but Matt just brought up, like, you know, Chris Warren had his greatest game ever two versus Texas Tech two years ago. And it was, it was like, it was like, oh, it was like everybody realized we had an epiphany. This guy can be a beast if he's just running downhill on Big 12 defense. Against lesser opponents. On, against DBs. lesser opponents. Yes. Exactly. Big yes. 12 defenses, pretty much. Because mm-hmm. most, as, as Iowa State, that's, you know, the Big 12 defenses. And him just running down here because he's a, he's a freak. He's two hundred fifty pound running back, and yet against Texas Tech, he has de- deteriorated his stock to the point with his coaching staff where he is now playing H back, and then of course he ends up retiring. And the no, ultimate irony, so good. No, no, and then and then the other going. thing, uh, Monty Foreman, a guy who was in the doghouse with Tom Harmon, ends up being the lead receiver in this game, and also the guy who I know Kirk Bowles asked about it right after the game, like, hey, what happened to Monty Foreman? He was dominating when you throw him the ball in the first half and we like that the short pot short right short passing game the high percentage passing game where a guy can get yak yards and Armonte Foreman of course looking like Deontay Foreman out there getting yak yards running through defenders at Tech you're like yeah that's what you do to Tech alright cause Tech can't tackle Tech ain't they, 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 they're doing a good job of forcing turnovers this year but they don't really have fundamentals they don't have great they didn't technique. suddenly become the 2000 Texas defense no. yeah so my point is Armonte Foreman who's in the dark house uh, and we get on Papa Foreman I love Papa Foreman um and Papa Foreman just he, he he's does, in a fight. He it's like ball versus hey, Trump. Hey, at this point, Papa Foreman's look. People are starting to jump on that bandwagon because I think a lot of things that he has been critical of with this Texas coaching regime yeah. have really come to fruition. We'll, we'll talk about that. Here I will talk about that. He listens to so, the show. He hears what exactly. we're talking so about. So Monty Foreman doing his thing, and yet he disappears. And it's like, whoa, whoa, shouldn't you be trying to get to when the guys if in a zone like that? Give them the football. Mm. They on the they're on the two yard line with first and goal on multiple occasions by and then you never see a 250 pound running back Do you who realize? once ran for 200 plus well, yards on and Texas Tech to on, in a simple and you know what I know you got a Tom Herman offense but hey is there a play in there where like you, you can just have this guy with a fullback in front of him and run right down here with the direct snap it to him I don't care exactly yeah. like, well, 
it to him. I don't care. That's my point. It lacks common sense. Yes. The offense lacks common sense. And it's so ironic and almost nonsensical. Now they're so when damn look smart, back. they're so, stupid. Yes. You know no, I mean? and, and look at this. They're that, so smart, they're stupid. You look at Warren <laughs> and his best game's coming off of that, but yet we're like, okay, well, let's look at this team. Well, when are they most successful? Well, 40-plus carries. Okay, well, that aligns there. Well, let's look back. What's the identity of Tom Herman football? Well, where are we going to be? We're going to be as physical as possible all preseason. We're changing up the mentality to be physical, and then physicality has been successful when doing it. Then the one opponent where you can almost blanketly say for 20 years in the Big 12, if you run at them, they're just you're going to run them over and set records. And just at yeah, some it might point. not work at the beginning, but by carry 40, sort of how it has all year, Keep it going. and how it always has against them, Bounce. yet you don't, and seeing those Pound things the tour, you can understand that it doesn't work on the beginning, but the ideology, if you believe in physicality, if you believe in these things you preach for a whole year, that's the perfect game and perfect situation to take advantage of that, and they did it. All right, break time on the show, but when we come back, we're talking about the Texas offense, the identity issues, and what Rod continues to hammer home is a lack of common sense on that side of the ball. We'll talk about that and much more when we come back on Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. Well, let me go ahead. Let's go ahead because I haven't introduced the team. And for those first-time listeners, I like to let everybody know about the team here at Longhorn Blitz. I am Jeff Howe. I'll be taking you through this adventure, what we've got left, which about 40 minutes or so thereabouts. Uh, he is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire. No longer the man behind the glass, the man that sits across from me, who once again made a good yard bird for my Thanksgiving. Nice. Matt Butler, nice. the fried turkey once again was uh, this. I say this every year, and I know, I'm not lying. This probably was the best one you've done. Oh, well, that's awesome. It keeps it's getting better know. every year. Not really? He's like Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. you your science. Yeah. Greg Popovich and Tim Duncan. Every year it just keeps getting better yeah. and better. So uh, yeah, you guys had like four fryers going out at the out at the Butler yeah. residence. I bet that yeah. smelled so damn it good. Did. I bet it did. They both Travis oh walked up God. and Jeff did. Y'all missed each other within ten minutes oh, of each other. I to bet come that turkeys. smelled unfreaking believable. If you ever smell the they frying turkey, they were again. picking off a turkey, right? Yes. Oh my god. We were just eating a whole turkey right there and then everybody imagine. come kicking. We had three. Mm. We had a chaos that morning. We showed up. Mm. First time ever propane tank lights on fire. Because you go in, it's an odd way to test. I don't know. There's probably a better way to test propane tanks. And once we saw it light on fire, we're like, that's probably not a good test. But you're supposed to go put the lighter up by the front before you screw it on just to make sure it's not leaking. I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. You and don't then what happens when the propane thing goes on fire whenever it is leaking? So that's what happens. I don't know. I don't want to know. <laughs> exactly. As well as so I don't want to know. My dad just jumps his bare hand on top of it and smothers oh. it to put it out because it's all inside. What? So then we're like, what the hell? Was this the hose? So we code to diagnose if it's a hose or if it's a tank. We'd screw on new, different hose. Damn thing lights on fire again. So then we're like, oh, it has to be something's weird. Maybe what? about that hose. So we go to get a different hose. Finally realize that tank that we got from wherever was no good. So yeah, be careful whenever you're testing. But always test because otherwise it would have been a ticking t- time bomb and like when my dad lights a cigarette, boom, we would all exploded. So yeah, we're good. Man, Good safety that check. That was crazy. Uncle's safety check. Uncle Gary's safety check. Sounds like you needed the help of Hank Hill, someone who understands propane and propane Man. we were needing to find a Hank Hill after this because <laughs> we were like you can't up. go return this to Walmart and it'd be some dually from King of the Hill taking it and just leaving it in the corner so we're like we need to find a Hank Hill where is a Hank Hill in Austin that we can give a bad propane tank to because you don't want this explosive thing leaking you know fuel wherever. yeah you can't do so, yeah, not so, to disparage any Walmart employees wow. out there yes, yes, uh, but show. that's where we got it from so we, how... they, when they sell it to you that way you don't want to return it that see, way see it's so, how yeah. you know you gotta know what the hell you're doing when you're frying turkey because it may cost you your life if you just out there BS. But it tastes so damn good. It tastes, it tastes that good. That's how much we love food. Um, I would risk my life to go yes. out there Friday. A man who knows about risking his life for good food, uh, if you've ever been to the Frenchies in Houston, the legit one, the one by U of H. Oh, uh, yeah. It stays like open really late. It's like yeah, 2 in the morning. You may be risking your life after 1. You might see Beyonce out there, but you might, Beyonce, need, to, yeah. you might need to get your chicken and go real yeah, quick. You may see Craig Way out there. He's yes. not, out there late night. Not necessarily the safest part of H. <laughs> uh, but a man who knows all about H and many more things because he's the renaissance man here on Longhorn Blitz. He is our lockdown corner here on the show. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, in the 40 acres where he earned his degree. If he had a team ring, he would wear it proudly, but nonetheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU as he looked at his empty finger. Number 21 <laughs> in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And Rod, thanks for the intro, brother. Oh, we got to get off the offense.
offense because I'm just gonna just get aggravated myself. Well, actually, no. What's one thing on offense? No, we got to we got to talk about it. It's real. Um, Chris Warren's decision to transfer, which is official now. That's big. Um, you know, I wasn't. I was too young to vividly like. I remember clips of him playing, but vividly remember the impact he had on the 48. Chris Warren to me is what I hear guys from that era when they talk about Butch had not like a guy that oh, showed flashes where you're like, holy crap, this guy's wow. legit. That's a great comparison. But we never really saw it all come together for an extended amount of time. He was never able to sustain it. We've got bits and pieces and glimpse of Chris Warren being great, but never over a sustained amount of time did we see really what Chris Warren could. I agree with that. Yeah, we've seen a couple of guys like that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if Joe Bergeron is in that category, but yeah, uh, he had a flash. I, I mean, we had a flash or two a couple of times. Um, you know, other positions, I'm sure. But you're right. I love that Butch had not a comparison because I didn't watch Butch had not. I'm too young. I only, but heard I've heard Danny stories story. about exactly. I've heard plenty of stories from guys about Butch had not obviously having a ceiling uh, that was kind of a next yeah. level ceiling, but there are only flashes of it. And the circumstances didn't work out. I mean, th- there are plenty of college football stories, NFL stories about guys being the wrong fit for different teams at the wrong times mm-hmm. and things not working out. So, I mean, it may be one of those stories with, I, I will be very interested to see it where Chris Warren goes because he's got to find in a spread era. All right, of running backs, he does need to find somebody who likes to run downhill. I wonder. Mm-hmm. I wonder you know if I mean? he because remember he picked Texas over Washington. I wonder if he doesn't just go to UW, sit out a year, and then yeah, plays one more year. He's got he got to find somebody that wants to run downhill with him too. You know what it, I mean? Here's, here's something interesting about Chris Warren. I did a radio show a couple of weeks ago. The franchise in Oklahoma City, Kobe Daniels and Sam Mays. Those guys do a great job up there. And Sam, you know, he was an All American lineman at Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. And Sam's take was, he said, you know, I, I can guarantee you, he said Chris Warren will be a much better player in the NFL anymore. So, oh, yeah. I think pro teams will look at that guy and they will have a role for him. They will know I want to run do downhill. Yeah. And he yeah. has a body that can be used Malcolm as, Brown. That they will know what to tool. do with it. Yeah, he like Malcolm Brown. And Malcolm Brown's turned into a third down back. Yeah. You know, like when you can then grow your skills. And you Sam's know? take was kind of what your take was, Rod, in, in the spread era, especially in the Big 12. Sometimes offensive coordinators don't know. They outthink themselves on what to do with That's the 250 exactly right. pound what, what did you always say that uh, football is a simple game? Made complicated by simple men. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, dude, Come on, man. He's 250 pounds. You need two yards. That old Give school, him like, the football. The Thurman, <laughs> Thomas, the Thurman Thomas play in Tecmo Super run, Bowl where you direct fall. snap it to him and he just goes. He will fall forward for those 250. And you had an H-back. Actually, you should have just, you know, the little shuffle motion what guys do? Been great if they'd had one of those where they he, sh- he he starts at the H-back, mm-hmm. shuffle motions to the, and they snap it right to him, and boom, he hits right there. Sounds you know like a I mean? little right Kelsey play underneath. Man, I, 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 my thing is, I think the coaches, they have been overthinking this thing and I and my fear is that Tim Beck and Tom Herman, they just don't have natural chemistry and that they never develop it. And that Tom Herman is just a stubborn SOB. And he will stick with somebody just because I said I was going to do it. You know what I mean? Like your parents right. go, oh, why did he do that? Because I said so. I mean, Tom Herman's one of those kind of guys. And so either they need to, maybe, you know, t- Mac Brown was really good at, not oh, really good at this. He only had a couple opportunities to do it. Bring in an outside consultant. You know, bring in, I don't know how the coaching stuff works, but in terms of numbers, bring in somebody that, all right, if Tim Beck screws this thing up, I need my plan B. Remember, right. that's what Greg Robinson was for Matt, for, for Matt Brown. I, you know what? I need a plan B. Bring in plan B because I think you need a plan B behind Tim Beck because even myself, and I'm all about consistency, and I don't want a lot more turnover. We've had a ton of turnover in the Fort Acres. There's going to be more of it with all these guys leaving either via transfers or via you know NFL opportunities, but, man, Man, you need to have a plan B behind Tim Beck, man. You get stuck with Tim Beck for another year with offensive line inconsistency and still no dynamic presence in the backfield and quarterback issues. And man, you might do you you may have you Get may yourself. put your, you may paint yourself in a corner. A couple things I want to hit on there, Rod. When we talk about Sounds the sad. the continuity factor, Tom Herman can't concern himself what happened under Mac Brown and Charlie Strong. Can't I know it that. doesn't it's not a good look for us who have observed the program through this whole time, but that's shouldn't be Tom Herman's concern. Tom Herman's concern should be, I need to make sure I've got the guys in here that can carry out this plan, this plan that I believe will win Tex football games that will be successful. If that means jettisoning Tim Beck after one year, so be it. I don't think anybody's going to criticize him if if he gets rid of Tim Beck or tells Tim Beck to move on and brings in somebody else. I don't think that's going to be the case. I would rather him make those moves if he feels those moves are necessary than just sticking with something solely for the sake of continuity just for not rocking the boat. I don't 
don't think that's a good reason. Mitch, you made a mistake. No, but I think that's what he's doing also with the person like with Warren leaving. You know, instead of Warren being a guy that was a running back that everybody thought was the best running back on the staff, he didn't think it fit. Now it might not be popular. It might not even be the right decision. But personnel wise, he's at least shown now. Who knows if it's choice of his or if it's the choice of the player not agreeing with him. The personality, so many levels of that. But maybe he just is more prone to do it with the players right now because the pieces fit or not, and that may mean that he is able to do that with the coaches right. or not. Well, I, I, I don't disagree with you, Matt. I just think the the players and the coaches the, it's, it's two separate discussions. True, because you can only but at least what he's what you were saying. It looks like he's doing that with players, so that's well, good. Well, you can you can only you can only control so much. If a guy is unhappy. And, and is dead set on leaving. Like that's what I heard about Chris Warren. Chris Warren was miserable. Is what it I was heard. obvious. Miserable yeah. was the this word. This confirms what we all right. Everybody already exactly. Knew. And mm-hmm. this wasn't a secret yeah. to anybody that had been paying attention. If a guy is that unhappy, just let him go. Well, I'm saying, like, but on the way to get that unhappy, he had to make the unpopular decision of getting, you know, benching Chris Warren, which made him become unhappy. So I'm saying those type of decisions, he may not be just doing things for continuity's sake all, all the time. Okay, you I, know what I'm saying with the continuity. Just talking when you're talking about the continuity with Beck, it, it's at least he's been with personnel, been able to abandon himself from any type of continuity, and it's yeah. now it just comes down to players. I, I guess, I guess I see what you're saying, but uh, yeah, I, I guess I see. Yeah, um, no, I understand, but it's uh, it's it's one of those things where. If, you know, the continuity thing, I totally understand. Like, I'm on board with the continuity thing. Mm-hmm. I really am. Like, I'm, I feel them that, hey, they've had. And Tom Herman, he's so political. He picks his spots, right, when he wants to reflect back and harken back to the other coaches and the other regimes. So, I've right. never watched film. I don't want to, I don't, I don't worry. I don't know those players. I, I don't know those guys that I got, I inherited, and I, I I evaluate them from when I got here and our practices and the way we're trying to this build team our was culture. 16 and 21 in the last three Exactly. Years. And then when you ask him about, you know, uh, the coaching and the continuity. He's like, whoa, uh, Nation News had 33 assistant coaches in the last, uh, since he's been here in the last four years. Like, what do you think about that? You don't want to think Not about, you know, you don't want that to be the case moving forward. And it's like, okay, so you're picking and choosing when you want to look back. Right. When, you, when it when it suits <laughs> you, There's when one it's convenient, convenient for one. you. One is whenever he's right, and then the other one blames somebody yeah, else. So, so, like this one, yeah. it, the blame will be on him this if one. he has to get rid of Black back. It isn't necessarily that with, you know, if it's just another player, it's just another player. It's yeah. not him admitting wrong. This this may be the first time he would have to admit he's wrong by making a change here with Beck, but different than with the players. Well, yeah, that's true. You didn't have to do that. Yet. Let's address something else, and we've kind of have a skirt around it. We've hit it directly a few times. Rod, if you could consult with Tom Herman, and I don't believe Tom Herman's going to call Rod. You that's not, say, he's Rod, not going to call me your, at all. Give me your opinion. Would you tell him to maybe change his approach with how he deals with how he the the vibe he gives off from the media? And the reason why I say that, or or just in general, because and I don't know if it's the six and six record. I would imagine if Texas was eight and four, it wouldn't be a big everything deal. Everything would be, but different. it's six and six, so everything's under the microscope. Yeah, I've heard more comments and not backlash because the Greg Schiano Tennessee thing has given a whole new meaning to the word backlash. <laughs> the yeah. craziest thing ever. I've heard more comments about Texas fans. They feel Tom Herman is arrogant. The vibe he gives off is an arrogant vibe. And I don't know if he needs to change that or if that's something that's just, it's not that big a deal, but it's magnifying because of the losing record. But there's a growing percentage of this Texas fan base that views Tom Herman as not being a likable guy. Um, Best I, coaches aren't. Yeah, I agree with that, and that's exactly right. I was going to say, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the greatest Saban, the greatest uh, all-time coaches are not likable guys, whether it be Parcells or Belichick or whether it be Saban. Dabble Sweeney's kind of the new age, and Pete Carroll, they're the new age guys. You know what I mean? Dabble like they, Sweeney's like the modern, the, the Mac yeah, Brown. Of those, the exactly. Man, you know what I mean? Mac, I will say that Mac was one of those guys, too. It depends on how you coach. I mean, Nick Saban is so hands-on, apparently, that he's still out there correct guys like legitimately about their technique and their back pedal and their tech yeah their hand placement and things like that Mac Brown never brought me up to a dry erase board and talked X's and O's with me that's not the type of coach that he was right I hired coach Akina for that but he was a CEO and he oversaw everything he knew how to coach coaches rather than coach players but everybody runs it differently Dabble Sweeney has kind of this mix of of both the old school and the new school so I think yeah these days you got to find that healthy mix 
Knicks. And from what I hear about Tom Herman, he's really into the details. He's more about kind of the Nick Saban way of doing things and making sure that he is hands on, letting guys know like, hey, I, I you got to, you know, dip your shoulder here and make sure you, you know, uh, keep your your center of gravity and other kind of thing. Like he's talking to guys doing practice and correcting them. Matt Brown never did that. Matt Brown would watch from a distance with a booster hanging out, kicking it on writing with his little notepad about Rod B and what he was doing and the, uh, if everybody, somebody's loafing or something like that and then he would come over and restart practice or something every now and then he'd just go hey. right in that notepad why is Rod Great job. why is Rod wearing nine wristbands yeah, whatever not, it not is you know what I mean I don't know I would Jackie love Trey I think Holmes. Mac should should actually publish his notepads because Longhorn fans are so familiar with him writing on a notepad and I know he's probably still got them do publish those just publish your notepads that would be awesome I would love your I notes I just want to know like exactly what it in 2005 <laughs> national title game notes you know what I mean like, but like it, or if it yeah, was just yeah, Jackie like, what Trey the hell Horns is he writing Vince Young's gonna win this thing. I ain't got nothing to worry about. You know what I mean? Like I don't know what he's right, but yeah. But my point is, everybody manages and everybody coaches differently. So Tom Herman, what we have to realize is he's still a young coach. This is only his third year as a head coach. He still may not really know what his coaching yep. style is. We don't. We we got on Charlie Strong for learning on the job, right? We didn't like that. Right. Hey, are you learning on the job? And Charlie Strong had more coaching experience, head coaching experience than Tom Herman. But let's be honest, Tom Herman is learning on the job, right. folks. Yeah. yeah, he is learning on the job. We don't want to admit that, but that's what he's doing, and he's learning on the job on the on the Texas is dying. And that's we the way knew it's that. Going. Well, and we kind of knew that it was just we, that we didn't want to miss out if he was yes, saving. We saw exactly. We <laughs> saw Urban Meyer. Saving in him and said, "All right, he's our guy. Let's do it." Like Nebraska's gonna see in Scott Frost. Like, mm-hmm. all right, he's our guy, man. If he comes in with some wacky, crazy concepts, that's why we suck now because we don't see the world that he sees. We need to, right now. Texas football is viewing the world through Tom Herman's eyes, and a lot of Longhorn fans are like, "I don't like the way this is going." <laughs> but that's why you hired the guy. You hired the guy because he's thinking outside the box. He's not thinking like us. We're in the bubble, so in the bubble, we're seeing things a different way. Now we still be we still able to question his methodology Absolutely. and his ideology and I've questioned a ton of it because it ain't guaranteed to work. Tom Herman could be full of it. It could be he could be a used car salesman, man, and sold everybody a bill of goods. <laughs> yeah. This could all be snake oil, lines. man. Yeah, this could all be BS. I, we have no yeah. idea. We we went all in because Charlie was kind of a proven commodity and Charlie didn't work out and Charlie is proven that he was a proven commodity. Yeah. Like, hey, I he can is, coach, damn it. I'm not some idiot. I'm not some imbecile you brought in here as some experiment. I can coach. I I've proven it at Louisville. I'm proving it again at South Florida. I, this is what I do. I don't do nothing else. I don't this is what programs. I do. Yeah, you know what I mean? This is what I do. I'm a coach. Go ask everybody. Go ask Herb Mike. Go ask the best. They'll tell you, Charlie Strong know how to coach. That boy, you know how to coach football. That's what he does. You know what I mean? Who so, are playing this week? Exactly. So, exactly. Tom <laughs> Herman is coming in, and I, I I know he knows football, but does he know how to be a head coach? Does he know how to it be really a, hasn't an proven effective it. one right he, now? You know, Red McCombs famously said that Charlie Strong was a coordinator and not a head coach. A lot of people disagree with him. A lot of people put racial undertones under that statement. But for Tom Herman, I think it does apply. And we don't want to say that, um, but he's 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 ten and ten in his last twenty games. I'm at the point right <laughs> now. I'm at the point so though. It's cool to ask the question. Yeah. I'm at the point though in the big picture. I gave Charlie the first year to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. And I'll give Tom Herman the first year to figure it out. When I kind of got off the Charlie train and really started questioning it was year two, like retaining Sean Watson and just hey, things, things that through that through that offseason, you're like, man, I, I don't know, man. I'm seeing this, this, and this, and I don't know. And then when it went sideways in 2015, specifically, not so much the Notre Dame game, which basically, to me, that just reaffirmed everything that I assumed mm-hmm. about Sean Watson as a play caller. It was was that Iowa State loss, man? That's twenty-four nothing in Ames on Halloween, Matt, which you and I were yeah. both up there for. That was the one where I'm like, man, I don't think this is gonna work. No, man. and you could see it on Charlie Strong's face in there, poor Lord, on the tarmac walking out after that. I had never seen a team so defeated. I'd never seen a team have to endure that. Just the only road trip I ever go on is that one, and see that team that way, I felt so. And then they almost like die in turbulence on yeah. the way back. Some of the scariest moments of their lives, I believe, Tim. Cole which I forgot about that. which <laughs> takes yeah. us literally. It was like yeah, couldn't right. have it been was. more simple. Symbolic yeah, yeah. of the tenure of situation. Right, I just wanted to tee that up because <laughs> I mean, I, I'm of the opinion that I mean, I don't agree with everything Tom Herman does or no. says or how he runs his program, but that's his prerogative. He can run it the way he wants. My opinion is, as far 
as the opinions of everybody and is this guy running it the right way or the wrong way and you see the attrition numbers what they could be and uh what they might be and whatever um my opinion is if you want to you want to be a red ass like a nick saban or a bill belichick to me uh if you're winning games nobody really cares uh once you start or stop once you stop winning games then you know with mac instead of being cool and being the players coach uh it, it, you're you're having a soft entitled culture uh when when you're you know doing the when you're taking the Tom Herman approach, that Nick Saban, Bill Belichick approach, it's like, well, you're having guys, you know, why are you having them do stupid stuff like eat burnt toast after right. winning things and doing all this stuff? <laughs> and watching their urine, you know, uh, color pee and charts stuff, and, yeah. you know, having guys, you know, make guys, punish guys for leaving a Gatorade bottle in the locker room. And you're six and six. Why are you doing all this silly junior high crap? It, it cuts both ways is what I'm saying. So I think everybody from that standpoint, uh, like Rod said, I'm, I'm with you. You can question it. Absolutely. But I think I would just take a step back and exactly. say. That's why you had him. Just. I'll give Tom Herman the benefit of the doubt to take in everything from this year and adjust accordingly going into year two, which we'll talk about it here in a minute. The roster for year two is shaping up to be one where they're going to have challenges. All right, break time on the show, but when we come back, we're talking more about the Texas Tech loss, what it means for the Longhorns going forward, and much more. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns, 247.com. This is Longhorn Blitz with Horns, 247.com. Now, here is your host, Jeff Howe. Matt, you talked about near-death experience, and not to say that Friday night was a near-death experience for anybody, but it just the the the, the body language from the players that night was almost a state of shock. It's kind of how it was after the Maryland game, and that's how it was after the Texas Tech game. Guys, just seemed like this was Tom a team. Harmon was in shock. Yeah, it seemed like this was a team in shock by what had just happened. And Rod, you go through this game. We talk about the offense. He had no answers. We talk about the offensive issues. Yeah, that's another topic. Right? Maybe he's like, I got no answers. Um, <laughs> you look at the offensive performance in this game, and really. It comes down to two things for me third downs in the red zone. Had you just been more efficient in those two areas, you win the ball game. And we talked about that you've got eight different chances from inside the four-yard line to score touchdowns, and you don't. And then let's talk about the play call, man. The the last the last play Texas had with the lead is third and two. You call a rollout for Sam Ellinger. He throws the ball across his body. It's an interception. Texas Tech takes it the other way, sets up a touchdown. Rod, this this goes back to what we were talking about with the uh, the inability of this staff to show patience with the run game. And like Matt was saying, Matt laid it out perfectly. It's not like you're facing the 85 Bears, man. This is Texas Tech. Texas if Tech. you if you just keep chipping away, at some point you're going to find kind of the, the leak in the boat, so to say, and then just be able to plow through that thing and sink the ship. Uh, they didn't do that. That, but still, they had a third and two. Let me see. Let me pull up my play here. That was a third and two mm-hmm. at Texas Tech 37 uh, with the inside of three minutes. If you run the ball right there and get those two, even let's say let's say they don't get it on third down. At least you run the ball. Let's say you run the ball, you get a yard. So it's fourth and one with, I don't know, 220 left on the clock, whatever yep. it was. At least you make Texas Tech burn their last time out. Yep, you run the clock. Then you've got a litany of options. And then you can go we could, for it. We could pooch like punt it. We could go it, for it. Whatever. We could try to draw them off sides. the best punt in the country, by the way. Yeah, because I think Texas still had a timeout at that point. Yeah. You, the, the door is wide open to anything you want to do right there. But I don't – I've seen a lot of people blame Sam Ellinger for, for this deal. And, and Sam, Sam does have an issue late in games turning the ball over. At this point, you do something doing hey, against man. Texas Tech, against Oklahoma. With a true freshman quarterback – that's going to be the case. That was at prom last semester. <laughs> and uh, you see how he plays <laughs> balls to the wall. And he's got that gun. And I told you guys this. Well, I haven't watched him in high school. He, Sam's got that gunslinger in him. And, man, it's just no different than the, the Favre's and the Roethlisberger's and the other guys we see in that mold. At some point, they're going to say, oh, I can make that play. No, man, you can't. You've got to live to fight another day. It's he's also fair. the leading rusher at least all in, of yard, in yards and attempts. So he does believe that, and, and rightfully so, that he needs to do everything. Right. Yep. I don't. So I don't blame him for the failed third down and the loss. I blame the coaches that put the ball in his hands again when you've done that three or four times already and it's backfired on you. Just run the ball at least once. At least make them burn a timeout and then you've got fourth and one and you can do whatever you want from and them. And like we said, they don't know their personnel, right? That's why the wide receiver rotation is so inconsistent. The running back issues. Uh, they don't know their personnel. So in that third and two, they put Sam in a position where Longhorn fans are like, whoa, why would you put a freshman quarterback who 
who's already proven in late game situations mm-hmm. that you know he he has a little he's a little anxious with the football exactly and um and he may not he's a little careless with the football and he may not take care of it why would you even put him in that position so once again I'm getting back to I'm not criticizing your play calling because that's creativity I'm not gonna go there I don't know if I'd be that much better but your 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 decisions some of your common sense decisions your why not run the, you got a you got a top ten offensive lineman your first offensive lineman is gonna be drafted since 2008 maybe if you studied history of Texas football you do it a little bit better why not run behind him why not say you know what screw it it's third and two that I don't think that is, if it's a why, if it's a, if it's a quarterback if it's a quarterback off tackle play whatever you know what this is our guy I'm gonna tell him hey man we're coming off you big boy and after that we'll let the chips fall where they may you know what I mean like why yeah. not depend on your best player Sam is your best uh quarterback you know Connor Williams is your best offensive tackle so you know what we're going that side you know what I mean we'll figure out a way we're gonna put Kendall Moore over there too and we're going right off tackle brother we all we need is two yards y'all give it to us like why not do that or you know what I mean like I don't I don't understand yeah. so that's kind of my issue with the offensive play call and you know and my thing is they don't know their team either in the wins Texas had this year they they run the ball on average rushes per game 44.6 times in the wins this year in the six wins in the losses 32.8 times it's like dude and I know people are like well that's only what eight rushes it's not that you know what I mean it's not that much eight, eight you know it's not that much eight to twelve rushes whatever it is on a on a game to game basis but think about that's one of them though that's one of the opportunities you were supposed to run it and think about how big of a uh, a change in game that was like in mm-hmm. momentum and and the entire like shift of the dynamic of the game is because on a third and two where most teams would run the football because it just makes sense uh, statistically and with the odds you decided to throw it and it's not like you have Baker Mayfield back there or Sam Darnold you know what I mean like the, I, I love Sam Elliott but he's not there yet I think right. we all agree at one point we hope and he has that kind of ceiling but he ain't there yet and you put him in that kind of position and you played yourself I mean that's you I mean that's and that goes to coaching you lost this game coaching yeah. staff lost this game and just like the Maryland game you got out coached by Cliff Kingsbury and his crew you got to own that yeah. Cliff Kingsbury came in here and out coached you alright in Austin he did and he used two quarterbacks just like you used two quarterbacks and ain't a lot of excuses you can have you got out coached You're, the guys played well enough for Texas to win and they the defense dropped a lot of interceptions they should have caught and there were opportunities there but offensively you not only abandoned the run you took it out in the backyard shot it dead and buried it when just I, like you did versus Maryland what's interesting about this how you talked about the self-scouting issue that we've been able to see just over time because when you look at football ideologies and then what you actually implement on the field when they contrast it's confusing and knowing the staff knows numbers you would think they would know that in all of Texas's running aspects of or aspects of the running game from success rate to explosivity to line yards to opportunity rate to power success rate those things not good for Texas the one thing that is good for Texas is the stuff rate they actually are above average less than 19 percent which is the natural average a full percentage below it so if there's anything that isn't ranked you know around 80 to 100 yeah. in all of Texas's run game is short yardage running you don't get stuffed at the line of scrimmage which is a gain of zero or negative yards Texas is above average at that everything else below average yet in that situation and then with the idea that you always win when you run it 40 times and that tech doesn't do well and you have this mentality of physicality once you add up all of these things and then Sam also starting it isn't necessarily that you're talking about criticizing a play call it's like okay why are these things not aligning with what you say you want to do to be successful and what actually you have been able to do to be successful and that's what's dumbfounded yeah I'll, I'll criticize the play call I thought it was dumb I thought it was just lack. It just lacked total common sense. That's what I said. The offense lacks common sense. They're they're all, like I said, they're so smart. Sometimes they're just they're stupid. And I and that's my thing about them. Like the coaching staff, I just wonder they don't realize what kind of offense they were. And some of the play calls I'm starting to like. Like they they're using the screen game more, Mm -hmm. using the short passing game more. Uh, I see them taking the deep shots. Um, But yeah, they inside the five yard line, those eight plays they had, um, they were dumbfounding. Even the, the wide receiver throwback pass, which essentially was the same play that Sam Ellinger they connected on with well, Sam Ellinger like evol- as the start of the, of the play. Yeah, the start uh, start of the game uh, where they connected and it was a great play. Actually, I like that play. It was a good play call. Let you know they actually started to script plays and learn who they were. By the way, no scripted plays. They never ran the ball once. If you talk about the first fifteen of those plays, I think in the first thirty plays they they ran the ball nine times. In the first twenty plays, they ran it like three or four times. So in the scripted plays they had the 15 to 20 plays, they know, or they used to have no faith at all in the running game. And 
then they did not run it at all early on. And I remember like Quandre Diggs and uh, a lot of guys on Twitter were like, mm-hmm. man, why don't they run the damn ball? You're running the ball in the first quarter pays dividends in the fourth quarter. It's hard to, you know what I mean, to, 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 to quantify it, but it does, especially against Texas Tech. And Texas didn't do it enough. They just didn't run the ball yeah. enough. And I think that's why the 40 times or more stat plays a role. You're undefeated, 5-0. and You only won six freaking games. You ain't that good. So something is with you running, deciding to run the football with a great punter, also with a great defense. All you got to do on offense is not screw it up. Your defense can win games. Your punter can win games. You wasted the best field goal kicking game of the year. <laughs> Think about that. So your punter, best punter in the country. Your field goal kicker, best game of the season for your field goal kicker. Your defense, of course, playing lights out. They play great defense. Yeah, they drop some picks, and but they played good enough for you to win. You played so bad offensively that you dragged the other two phases of the game down who had some of their best games of the season. Think about that. That's how bad you were oh. offensively, Tom Herman and Tim Beck. And if we all were on the running game, just one thing I want to point out that might be helpful for next year, though. You look at, say, highlight yards per opportunity, which is yards that running back gets past the line of scrimmage, sort of shows explosivity of running backs. This year, now in about 50, 60 carries instead of Deontay Foreman's 300 that he had last year. Yeah. But both Tony Carter and Daniel Young had higher highlight yards per opportunity than Deontay did the last season. So in a small sample, very yeah. good to show that, like, when in space, they are making guys miss as well or better than Deontay did. And year. they uh, and they took and the coaching staff took too long to find that out too. That's something else on the coaching staff. All right, uh, there you go. I'm, All right, um, I wanted to talk about the defense against Texas Tech, but I don't know what else needs to be said. I mean, I feel like in the losses this year, it's a broken record. Couldn't ask any more of them, and they held on as long as they could, and then eventually the dam broke. Which in this league, even against the bad offenses like the Kansases of the world, it's going to happen. But Rod. Uh, the, the trend, we talked about this a little bit last week, but I think it's worth getting into now, now that we've got a better idea of what the NFL outlook looks like, now that you know we know Connor Williams is gone. Uh, uh, we, we know kind of we've got an idea of, of what's going to happen. And, and at this point, you know, I, I don't know when people are going to listen to this podcast between the time it goes live and our next recording, but I, I would plan on, if you're a Texas fan, I would plan on not seeing any of Holton Hill, Deshaun Elliott, or Chris Boyd next in the secondary. Plan on, plan on all three being gone. Don't plan on seeing Malik Jefferson next year. Mm-hmm. Likely don't plan on seeing Charles Amenahu next year. I think there's a really good chance all those guys could be gone. Um, the, the secondary guys, Deshaun Elliott and Holton Hill, like we know Holton Hill's not yeah, at this point. Yeah, I think Holton Hill. We're just waiting on the official announcement. Uh, Deshaun Elliott would just be a smart decision, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's just me personally, I think. People are like, oh, he's going to be drafted in the second round. Okay, what's yeah, a shame? <laughs> I love how there's a shame in getting drafted in the second round. I was like, okay, drafted in the second round. You don't think he's going to make an NFL roster? And that just shows you know where I mean? the ideologies of people are like, no, you aren't going to get your super millions. This other guy's like, man, I'm about to get my lifelong dream yeah. to get paid oh, six sorry. figures I'll to get, go do it. I'll, I'll yes. only, I'll only I get, think anybody in the world yeah. would do that if you related it yeah. to yourself. I'll the, get paid only a little under a million a year. Sorry. Right. That, that also will yeah. suck. And doing my what eight, I love. $850,000. Instead of for free. Championship week, Texas is not a part of it, but we will have picks and much more as we wrap this thing up and put it in the oven on this edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns, 247.com. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. Overhanging trees present a real danger. During high winds, falling branches can damage roofs and windows. So today, I'll show you how to protect your home by wrapping it in bubble packaging. All you need is a staple gun and 142,000 feet of bubble packaging. Let's get started. You could try to protect your home with bubble packaging, or you could get covered for personal property damage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Call GEICO and see how affordable homeowners insurance can be. This holiday season, Groupon has something for everyone. Because Groupon has gifts for people who like getting stuff and people who like doing stuff. People who like cookware and people who like restaurants. People who like headphones and people who like concerts. People who like staying in and people who like going out. People who like relaxing in front of a new TV and people who like relaxing at a high-end spa. So whether they like getting stuff or doing stuff, you can find the perfect gift on Groupon. Download the app and save. Groupon. Loans are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions supply. See website for details. I was making great progress on building my savings, but then I get hit with an unexpected car repair bill. Keeping a close eye on my credit score allowed me to buy my first house, but an unexpected medical emergency set me back. 
When the unexpected happened, Avant was there to help. If you need to borrow $2,000 to $35,000, try Avant. It's fast, simple, and transparent. Everything is done online. There are no prepayment fees and no collateral is required. And you can instantly check your rate with no impact to your credit score. Over 500,000 customers have experienced the convenience of a loan through Avant. No wonder Avant has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. And now, Avant will give you a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your rates and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 5252 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com, promo code 5252. Go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 5252. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. Overhanging trees present a real danger. During high winds, falling branches can damage roofs and windows. So today, I'll show you how to protect your home by wrapping it in bubble packaging. All you need is a staple gun and 142,000 feet of bubble packaging. Let's get started. You could try to protect your home with bubble packaging, or you could get covered for personal property damage through the Geico Insurance Agency. Call Geico and see how affordable homeowners insurance can be. This holiday season, Groupon has something for everyone. Because Groupon has gifts for people who like getting stuff and people who like doing stuff. People who like cookware and people who like restaurants. People who like headphones and people who like concerts. People who like staying in and people who like going out. People who like relaxing in front of a new TV and people who like relaxing at a high-end spa. So whether they like getting stuff or doing stuff, you can find the perfect gift on Groupon. Download the app and save. Groupon. This holiday season, make the smart choice and switch to Sprint and get a new Samsung Galaxy S8, S8 Plus, Note 8, or S8 Active with 50% off your lease. That's right, the hottest Samsung devices, 50% off. Plus, with Galaxy Forever, you can upgrade to the latest Galaxy anytime after 12 lease payments. And when you switch to Sprint, you get the best price for Unlimited. $25 per month per line for a family of four, plus get a fifth line free. That's 50% off Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. You also get 10 gigabytes of mobile hotspot in HD, so you can stream your favorite holiday movies, music, and games. So stop by your local Sprint store, Sprint.com slash Holiday Deals, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1 to learn more. Requires 18-month lease and new line savings via monthly credit applied within two bills. Early termination results and remaining balance due after one thirty one nineteen. Pay $38 a line per month with auto pay. Excludes taxes, surcharges, and roaming. Compared to Verizon Beyond Unlimited rates, AT&T Unlimited Plus Plan and T-Mobile One Plus Plan for five lines. Carrier features differ. Coverage and offer not everywhere. Subject to credit and $30 activation fee. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. What makes a holiday card unforgettable? Personality. And no one makes it easier or more affordable to create a holiday card full of personality than Vistaprint. Right now, get 60% off all custom holiday cards. That means 30 cards start at less than $12. With hundreds of stunning designs, your personality will shine through with every card you send. Just go to Vistaprint.com today and enter the promo code RADIO to get 60% off all custom holiday cards. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code RADIO. We discovered that my daughter was using drugs. We were really at a loss. We'd been told by so many people to kick her out, to use tough love. You can't take a one-size-fits-all approach to substance use disorders. They're all different. You are the only one that knows your child. It's a slow process. And although it hasn't been perfect, she's not using drugs anymore, we're really hopeful. We're all in recovery from this disease. There's hope and help at drugfree.org. A message from Partnership for Drug-Free Kids. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Once again, Jeff Howe. There you go. All right, Matt, thanks for everything, man. You are more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast game. For everybody at 104.9 The Horn and the Austin Radio Network, our radio partner, hornfm.com, the Horn app, AM 1260, 104.9 FM. Our wonderful radio partner where you can hear me. I'm on uh, with Chad and Kevin on Thursdays. You can get the Longhorn Blitz on our SoundCloud page. And thanks to Matt, you get us on iTunes, TuneIn, any podcast app. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. And we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.